0: Chapter 2 of Thou Art the Man. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Thou Art the Man by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. Chapter 2 Chorus Diary i hardly know how i should dispose of my evening hours at colander castle if my father had not imposed this task of diary-keeping upon me my aunt leaves the drawing-room as the clock strikes ten i don't believe she goes to bed before midnight but as she has never invited me to a causerie in her room and as she always wishes me a distinct good-night in the gallery where we light our candles i feel that solitude is my portion and that i am left to my own resources till the next morning i have always been a wretched sleeper and one of my worst miseries madame michon's was to hear the church clock chime the quarters all through the long dreary night perhaps until five o'clock in the morning, when I dropped into the slumber of sheer exhaustion and dreamt dreams that were darkened with the consciousness that the dressing bell would ring at six and that I must be dressed and in the classroom at the quarter to seven. Oh, weary servitude! Ah, oh, oh, joyless days and restless nights! When I find the wheels of life dragging somewhat heavily at calander castle let me remember the dreary round of schoolwork and the scanty fare of the school-table the burden of too frequent church services and the ever-present consciousness that i was the worst dressed girl in the school and that my bills were always in arrear i must however admit that madame Michon treated me fairly and kindly after her lights considering that she stood in danger of losing by me it was madame michon's pupils on whom my poverty inflicted no inconvenience who made me feel the agony of being poor if i had not been the niece of an earl i think they would have trampled upon me my blue blood went for something and i took an aggressive attitude against every girl who represented the wealth made in commerce well that is an old song thank heaven and lady penrith and i am here in this cumbrian castle lapped in luxury with fine raiment in my wardrobe and plenty of pocket money and if the life is rather dull now and then i am not the less Grateful to Providence, and my uncle's wife. As for my uncle himself, of whose race I am, and on whom alone I have any claim, he throws me a word now and then, as he might throw a biscuit to one of his spaniels, and cares less, I fancy, what may become of me than what may become of the dog. He is a curious man handsome in a certain faded style like the portrait of an old master that has been spoilt in the cleaning he is straight as a dart tall well set up he is said to have the grand manner which i take to be a manner of caring for nobody in the world but one's self at ten o'clock my aunt bids me good-night in the long gallery leading to her rooms and i crossed the head of the great staircase and retire to my own den to yawn over a novel or to write my diary till midnight inclination would take me to the smoke-room where i believe i should not be altogether unwelcome for the men must have exhausted their stock of improper anecdotes by ten o'clock and must have become begun to grow tired of their own society they have told me severally and on different occasions that i am good fun how much i should prefer being good fun downstairs in that comfortable billiard room to moping up here over a dull novel or my still duller diary the proprieties forbid me masculine society after ten o'clock so to thee o diary i turn and try to interest myself in a study of character lady penrith's character in particular there is a certain fascination i find even in the dullest diary when it is about oneself one's own feelings likes and dislikes odd fancies rebellious promptings against fate and mrs Grundy but it is not so interesting when one writes about other people. My father honoured me by expressing a desire to read my jottings about her ladyship. I have, therefore, commenced a system of diary-keeping by double entry. What I mean him to read, I write in one volume. My own little reveries I keep to myself in another volume. I suppose he really was in love with Lady Penrith, years ago when i was a child moping my little life away in the depths of yorkshire with my middle-class maiden aunts yes i suppose he was really and honestly in love with her and not attached to her only on account of her wealth and yet i can hardly imagine my father a romantic lover caring for anything above and beyond his own interest there is a hardness about him just as there is about his lordship and which i would should call the urquhart hardness for i can see the same character indicated in many of the family portraits on these walls a cold calm concentration of purpose which i take to mean absolute selfishness yet it may be that even a man of that hard nature may be moved to forget himself by such a woman as sibyl penrith in the flesh of her girlish beauty she is absolutely beautiful now at nine-and-twenty she took me to three very big parties before we left london and she was the handsomest woman amidst a crowd where i felt to be plain was to be conspicuous yes any man might have loved and suffered for such a woman only i think sir joseph higginson's coal pits would have more attraction for my father than the loveliest face that ever shone upon mankind In any case, I can understand what a bitter blow it must have been to him when she married his elder brother. I wonder who the man was who died, the man she loved, the man in whose grave her heart is buried. Who was he, and where is that grave where her heart lies dead and cold? Yes, I believe her heart is with the dead. She goes through life like an animated statue, coldly beautiful, benevolent, charitable, religious, polite, and amiable to a most unsympathetic husband, fulfilling all the duties of that station to which it has pleased God to call her, and, if I read her right, caring for nothing in the world except her books and piano. So much for my private opinions and speculations in Volume 2, and now for my observations upon life in general and lady penrith in particular in volume One, which if my father insist i shall allow him to peruse End of chapter two